0: Today we are here with Arthur Group, a postdoctoral researcher from CU Mycology. Recently he was part of a study that looked into the Nosema fungal pathogen in native bees, and they found that there was a lot of missing knowledge about the topic. So how did you get started researching the Nosema pathogen? And thank you for coming to talk with us today.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Um, So I the way I got into interested in this is I just started my postdoc in Dr. Alicia Quants lab um, in the Department of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology last September, and she um, brought me on to work on a project investigating host jumping in fungal pathogens of insects. And while we were trying to get that project up and going, she had the idea that you know we should write a mini review article on some some story uh, some some aspect of uh, fungal life, and she kind of turned the reins over to me, and I thought about it, and I had worked with bees back when I was an undergrad at Humboldt State University in California, and thought, hey, let's see what kind of fungal pathogens are going on with bees, and so as we began to research and compile literature, it became uh, pretty obvious that while there was, while nosema uh, species are a pretty big uh, deal in Um, There's hundreds of articles about them in commercial bees like uh, the honeybee or commercially reared bumblebees. There wasn't a lot that had been done in terms of looking at native bee populations. And this was interesting because the honeybee is one of 20,000 species of bees. And although it's the most recognized by people and it's used all around the world for, you know, not only production of honey and other products like that, but it's also important for agriculture – Well, native bees also play an incredibly important role in agriculture, and they're often overlooked. And so we wanted to look at that kind of aspect as well as what would happen um, to native ecosystems, right? Because you go out into the woods, up in the mountains you know, outside of Boulder, and once you get up to a certain point, you don't really see honeybees anymore. And so those flowers and stuff are reliant on native bees for pollination. So that's kind of how we got going and came about with this idea to do this review
0: alright and um, so as for the effects of this pathogen uh, it can cause kind of um, reproductive issues with bees uh, as well as just sickening bees correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, so where, what they've show, uh, what they've defined in terms when they're looking at infections at in honeybees is um, the bees ingest the spore the spore gets to their gut it, germ- um, it germinates and it basically has a like harpoon-like mechanism where it basically injects all of its uh, cellular contents into the host cell where it begins to reproduce and replicate um, and eventually rupturing the host cell. And then that just kind of keeps ramping up the infection causing the bees to have kind of diarrhea and some behavioral issues. Um, and... So we're not really sure what that's doing in terms of what well, it's doing in native bees. So that's kind of something that we talk about in the article at the end. It's you know it would be really great for people to start looking at the effects of these pathogens, um, and if it does have any kind of fitness co- uh, consequences for native bees.
0: You mentioned behavioral um, impacts as well. Could you tell us a little more about those? What what kind of behavioral impacts are there?
1: Sure. So normally when uh, Honey bee is in the hive, right? She's in the hive. She's um, she leaves the hive to go on a foraging flight, right? So that's when she's out there collecting nectar and pollen. She goes, you know, goes to all her flowers, comes back, deposits it, um, and that's essential for maintaining the hive. Well, bees that are heavily infected with Nosema uh, they exhibit uh, they're kind of more lethargic. They don't forage as far, and they're um, not as um, efficient at those sort of things. so where a normal honeybee, let's say will go you know several hundred yards to go foraging and affected no uh, bee with no sema would only maybe go 30 50. Um, so that's a big problem when you have a colony that's you know 80,000 bees and half of them are sick you know
0: So you see so you would see a lot less pollination and kind of that. Um, impact on the ecosystem
1: yes yes so that's where it's kind of a problem and you know if you're and also if you're a, a, a honeybee beekeeper and you're trying to produce uh, honey for you know part of your business well you're going to be getting a lot less honey because of this
0: um, and you and it's one of four um, different effects uh, the pathogens that are that cause a lot of colony collapse um, so what does that colony collapse look like?
1: So colony collapse is basically, um, well, like you said, there's there's four things that are thought to cause it, and there's no real in one individual um, pathogen or situation that causes it, but it's basically when the colony can no longer support itself, and the bees uh, basically become really sick and just die off um, prematurely, and so as people have said this is a big problem for commercial beekeepers and stuff like that, as well as the the consequences to agriculture and native ecosystem pollination.
0: All right. So with the lack of knowledge that was found, so at what point did you kind of start to realize that there was this kind of lack of knowledge about the impact on native bees? Um, At what point did you start to kind of realize that that knowledge wasn't there? So with the review article, um, where I was doing this
1: I was just trying to pull down as many articles as I could and you know we were like well where is it in the world so we, I started looking all at papers where they documented it all across the world and commercial bees and once once we got it together and um, then we started going and saying well you know what about native bees and so I started looking at those articles and um, at the end by the time we finished the paper we had um, something like oh, I can't find it, but basically there was like, out of the 60 or so articles that we were looking at, um, 60 of the articles were focused on honeybees and commercial bees in the presence of Nosema, and there was only 15 that had actually gone and documented Nosema infections in native bees, and that was really kind of an aha moment for us. Um, So that was where we decided, like, wow, this really is an issue, and this would be really great for people to um kind of further investigate this and look at it
0: do you feel there's any reason why native honeybees haven't been looked at as much as commercial bees or european honeybees is there um anything you can think of that might explain why they haven't been researched as in depth um i think it
1: comes down to a matter of economic importance honestly and it's you know it's it's understandable. Um, you know, given how important honey, honeybees, and other commercial bees are to agriculture and people's livelihoods, it makes sense that hey, this is there's a problem with this. We need to figure this out. Where is it? Um, and then, you know, just as kind of a second secondary thought, people are, people were like, well, okay, well, what about native bees? So it it does make sense uh, that there is has been this bias in terms of looking for Nosema in bees and focusing mostly on those of uh, economic importance
0: so with that what kind of an impact do you think that these native bees uh the nosema in these native bees would have on humans or say human economy um do you feel like because they're not as commercially um kind of as commercially important as you said do you feel like there could still be a large impact on humans
1: i think so definitely um because of the fact well uh, they're not necessarily they're not these native bees are not reared, We um, don't get honey from them, there's not necessarily that direct human uh, economic uh, big gain from them, but the truth is that um, native bees make a huge contribution to agricultural pollination. Uh, for instance, there's um, watermelons, for instance, are 90% of your watermelons are pollinated by a single species of native bee. Um, And so that's a huge impact if this native bee uh, has the same sort of detrimental effects from the nosema pathogen and populations are wiped out. Your your watermelon pollination rate and production is going to drop because of that. Uh, There's also quite a few studies that have been done that have shown that when this whole colony collapse disorder started happening, uh, a lot of researchers were asking the question, well, if the honeybees are gone, what what's going to happen to our agriculture? What role do native bees play in this? And they found that you know native bees work pretty well, um, and sometimes a lot of the cases work better than honeybees because honeybees are generalist pollinators, right? So they can basically go to a lot of different flowers, however, they're not necessarily the most efficient pollinators. If you look at things like tomatoes, for instance, honeybees are not effective at all, and they uh, tomato pollination requires bumblebees, big burly bumblebees. And so there is a, 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 a significant downside uh, to agriculture if native bees are missing or they're impaired by, you know, habitat loss or uh, pathogens such as nosema.
0: And I believe it was in the CU Boulder Today article that it was mentioned that uh, some of these bees are also the only ones who are able to pollinate certain flowers, um, like, such as with their weight. Um, it only allows these flowers to open up so you so without them there might also be kind of a loss of like certain kinds of plant life, correct?
1: Yes, exactly and that's one of the, the things we mentioned in the article is that you know, you have certain pollinators certain native bees and certain uh, native plants and they have a one-to-one relationship where they The bee only visits those plants and those plants are only able to be pollinated by those bees and so if that bee disappears well, then, you know, that's real real danger for the plant, and that has, you know, consequences for other things that may rely on the plants. so um, it's a very complicated relationship, and it can really um, go, uh, I'm sorry, uh, it can turn bad really quickly for those things in terms of uh, native plant ecosystems, and it also has impacts for restoration and conservation, so these native bees are really, really important, and, out in nature and in agriculture all
0: right now i know i had mentioned i had asked a little while ago about how these the disappearance of these bees or the impact that these bees have might affect humans but kind of um on the other side of things is there any way in which humans um have been impacting uh, these bees with the with Nosema in mind um, such as with commercial hives, are there any ways in which we've been impacting this issue?
1: Oh certainly um, we would not be having this conversation if it wasn't for humans moving uh, this Nosema pathogen around so the real problematic strain is this Nosema serrani that was native to Southeast Asia and was um, associated with the the Asian honeybee, um, and they had that strain of it, and the European honeybee in Western Europe and the rest of the world had this other strain, Nosema apis. Well, back in the 90s, um, there was somehow an introduction event from Southeast Asia of Nosema serranii, to the European honeybees in Europe and from there it just spread like wildfire fire. So from there it spread all across Europe and then from there it spread across, you know, to all continents except for Antarctica because of the fact that, you know, if I'm a beekeeper and I wanna order a new brood or a queen and I order it from someone, you know, in a country that has no Sema, well, if I get if there's no screening or controls for this, I I can get a nosema-infected queen. And then when that colony begins to reproduce and stuff like that, and the workers go out and forage, they defecate. The infected workers go and forage, they defecate at a flower. They're releasing the spores on the flower that's then any other bee species native or commercial that goes and visits that flower and collects nectar, can ingest those spores and become infected. And it's just this really cascading effect uh, called pathogen spillover. And so it's
0: definitely due to humans in terms of spreading this. Uh, pathogen to bees and then transporting them across the world alright and as you said earlier there's the issue of agriculture being impacted for example you brought up watermelons being impacted by um, native bees so would you say that there's been kind of like a global gross effect of Nosema across the world and what would that look like
1: Uh, like what do you mean in terms of the gross effect
0: um, have you seen any kind of worldwide kind of like world um sorry allow me to rephrase it uh as a result of nosema have there have you seen any trends or any kind of impacts that span the world as a result of it because you've mentioned how it spreads across the world um originally starting from in the 90s with uh, bees in asia so would you say that as it spreads have you seen any kind of trends that indicate its impact
1: I would say that the trends that uh, we've seen, that we found while researching this article, is one, that it's spreading. Um, Two, that Nosema serranae is replacing Nosema apis um, in honeybees infections. And it's also that you're having huge losses of uh, commercial honeybees and stuff around the world because uh, once this gets in there, it's it's almost impossible to get rid of. And what happens is back... Uh, historically there was a, an antifungal compound that was, people would use to treat the infections in their hive and it was fairly successful. However, that company stopped making that product, uh, several years ago. And since then there's been no, no real treatment other than, well, you know, it's, unfortunately we got to burn the hives. Um, and so that's really kind of the global effect and that's happened across the world. Um. Fortunately, there's has been a lot of research going into well uh, breeding resistant bee lines to Nosema and looking at you know nutrient supplementation and herbal extracts to apply to lessen effects as well as um, different molecular techniques to try and stop this uh, pathogen in bees.
0: If you don't mind me asking, you you mentioned a little while ago that this strain of Nosema is replacing another strain. Um, so how exactly is it replacing it? Is it just more um... Uh, pass, is it easier to pass on? Is it uh, just more contagious? So I think what
1: the consensus... Uh, well, I don't think there's a real consensus yet. There hasn't been enough um, research. People are still actively looking at that. But what, from what I, my understanding from looking at the literature is that um, Nothema apis was generally present in European honeybees in Europe. Well, after the introduction of Nosema serrani from the, the Asian honeybee when people would go and do these surveys saying, hey, you know, I'm in Switzerland, let's see if we have Nosema serrani or Nosema apis. So they go out, they sample a bunch of hives, they do some molecular work and uh, barcoding, looking at genetic sequences, and they say, oh, you know, out of the 30 hives we looked at, 29 of them had Nosema serrani, and one of them had Nosema apis. So what what scientists have um, looked at and found is that you no, know, saluscerana actually survives at higher temperatures. So while the the inside of a a bee is a constant temperature, right? It's a constant environment. Um, but when those spores are passed through the gut and defecated at flowers, well during hot days and hot and hot environments, Nosema spores are actually viable at a much higher temperature, um, which is thought to lead to um, why they are becoming more prevalent compared to Nosema apis, which is more cold tolerant. So those spores would not be as viable as temperatures increase through the day, whereas Nosema serrani spores are still viable. And this is kind of exacerbated with climate change as we get hotter days, longer warming periods, warmer winters. Those spores are more active and more viable and therefore can cause the infection and spread more rapidly. And so that's kind of the thinking in terms of how Nosema serrani has replaced Nosema apis.
0: All right. so this next question also kind of ties into that. Um, I, could, I guess you could say, ties into that climate change um, impact as well. Is there any kind of a timeline that comes to kind of dealing with nosema? Because you've mentioned how there are some ways to help uh, combat combat it, such as with those microbial supplements, uh, breeding methods, and uh, I believe plant extracts. Uh, So is there any kind of a timeline on how long we would have to essentially kind of fight against it before it got out of control or is it already out of control? Um, is there any kind of uh, timeline as to how long we might have?
1: Uh, I'm not really aware of a timeline, um, in terms of this is the point of no return. Um, and one of the things that actually makes this infection really difficult to diagnose is you can't really diagnose it by, um, visual symptoms right so the diarrhea the weak workers those are that can be caused by a variety of other pathogens as well so you know the, the the atheist can't really be certain what's happening um and the only way they can really confirm that you have nosema is through molecular techniques or very careful dissection of dead individual bees and so That's the, that's one of the real issues is you can think that your bees are sick with something else and then you try and treat them with, you know, the recommendation for that pathogen you think it is and it doesn't work. And by the time, you know, it comes around, you're, it's, you know, too late for you and you've lost, you know, X amount of workers in a colony and so many colonies because of that.
0: So it's of important, would you say it's of importance to really kind of figure out what treatments are the most effective?
1: Almost oh, most certainly. Um, as we've seen um, with other pandemics and stuff, it's always important to identify what's causing it and then have an effective treatment or series of treatments with it. And um, it's very difficult for your average beekeeper to do that because, you know, they're doing it as a hobby or a small-time thing. And, you know, of course, they, they care about their bees and want them to be healthy, but it's really difficult to diagnose these things uh, without... Uh, specialized techniques and uh, for positive confirmation. And even now, it's it's difficult. Even if you know you have Nosema, it's very difficult to treat it.
0: Would you say that there's any way to, say, heal the impact that Nosema has had? Or would you say it is more of an irreversible impact um, that we'd more of just have to kind of work with? There's not really a way to put no sema back in the box now
1: that it's out. Um, I think this is something that's just going to be have to be managed for and monitored closely. And like we say in our article, um, that's one of the reasons we've, we're talking about and focusing on native bees is we don't know what it does in native bees, right? Uh, we know what it does in commercial bees, and that's good. I mean, that's, that's something, and that's good. However, we don't know what it's doing in native bees and what impact that has. So, for instance... These studies that I was looking through, they would do molecular confirmation of nosema. So they'd take a dead bee, they'd extract its DNA um, or its like body contents, and they'd do sequencing and they'd say, yep, we have nosema here. Well, the problem with that is, well, what is it doing, the bee? Is it causing problems, right? Because just because you detect it doesn't mean that it's necessarily causing a problem, right? So if you, for instance, you um, you ran a uh, molecular test on me, I could test positive for no Sema, even though it's just passing through my body and it's not having any negative impact or harming me. So that's why we're really kind of hoping that future researchers will take up the baton and carry it forward in terms of saying, okay, what's going on? We know that nosema is in this native bee population. Let's look at them and compare it to a population that doesn't have no Sema. What are the differences? Can we be certain that nosema is causing these detrimental, um, effects in this infected population, or is it not doing anything at all? Are these bees totally fine? So that's kind of where it's, um, it's the unknown and where, uh, further research definitely needs to be done in, you know, our opinion to try and answer those questions in terms of long-term monitoring and understanding and projecting out, uh, the spread and, uh, Consequences of this pathogen.
0: So, this might be a little bit of a long shot, but you've mentioned how it's hard to tell if a population is being impacted by NOSEMA based on the, um, say, more holistic uh, symptoms alone. Would you say that's almost kind of, it's almost kind of sounds like our current situation with our own pandemic um, with COVID 19 of kind of being, kind of struggling to tell if someone has actually has it without that test
1: right i would say that there's definitely parallels between you know our situation with the testing and the unknowns of uh covid19 as well as the unknowns of nosema um, either in commercial bees or in native bees Um, like i said before you know you can the symptoms you see in infected colonies of honeybees are very similar to symptoms you get with other pathogens that are affecting them and it's only through this you know specialized uh, technique or molecular uh, techniques to that you can confirm that you have no sema um, so I'd say that there's definitely parallels and that's that's a, something that hopefully we can sort out for both for both ourselves and the bees
0: do you plan on researching more of this impact uh, with native bees yourself do you plan on uh, conducting more research um, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily going to go
1: do any um, any in-person work on the native bees. Um, however, the idea that myself and Dr. Quant had was that, you know, let's in addition to the highlighting what we think is important with this article, this would be something that we can come and go and revisit in five years or ten years and just kind of do an update on NOSEMA and native bees and kind of see, you know, what's been going on, have people been investigating them further what more do we know now and that's kind of what we were thinking that this could be the first part of uh, a series uh, to just kind of keep it focused in 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 our mind and um, see what's going on and see hopefully that people are able researchers are able to go out there and investigate these things and answer some questions Uh,
0: you mentioned not being able to go to any in-person work how has your work been impacted with your research uh, in person, of course it's been impacted by COVID, I take it?
1: Yes, yes. So, um, you know, as a as a staff member at CU Boulder, I mean, we shut down just when everybody else went online, when all the classes were online. So, um, you know, a lot of the department chairs and college deans all had really good um, precautions put in place and protocols that they discussed. And so, um, you know, we had, We were put, each lab was, you know, you can designate someone as an essential employee and the building's only going to be open to essential employees and that we have to maintain these different distances and guidelines and PPE. um, You know, I was designated as essential because I work with fungal cultures, so I have living organisms I have to maintain. Um, So it wasn't, uh, it did impact me in terms of, you know, I, I could I wouldn't spend my whole day in cam- on campus in the lab anymore. You know, I'd go in maybe a couple times a week, check it out, make sure my cultures were living and everything was fine, and then I would just stay at home working on my computer, which I think is very similar to a lot of people these days.
0: Completely understandable. So that would come to the end of my questions, uh, but is there anything you would want to leave as a final note is there anything you'd like our listeners to walk away knowing or is there just anything else you'd like to say to them while uh with this interview well i'd
1: um i'd like to give a plug for native bees out there obviously um there's a lot of really good resources online for advice on how you can help encourage native bees to not only nest in your Um, your garden, but also special kinds of plants that you can plant that are both beautiful to our eye, but also beneficial to the native bees. And just take a look um, online. I mean, native bees are beautiful. They come in various sizes and shapes and brilliant color patterns. And so next time you're just hanging out, relaxing, taking a break from the computer, take a look at a flower and watch it and just kind of see the different uh, organisms that come to pollinate it, and hopefully you'll gain an appreciation for these uh, often overlooked but critically important uh, bee
0: species. And where would they be able to find some of those resources? Is there a website? Is there anywhere that they would want to go first?
1: Yeah, so um, the Xerxes, Xerces X E R C E S Society is a society about um, insects and bees. Um, they they have a lot of good resources, and um, fortunately, we live in the age of Google. And it's you know you can find some great resources just by googling you know native plants that help native bees, and you know you go to the images and you can see a bunch of beautiful bees. Um, there's also Facebook groups that are involved. Uh, native bees of north america um, and everyone's very health uh very friendly in terms of you take a picture of a bee you post it and you tell them where you are and people are very usually pretty good about being oh this is that species so
0: yeah arthur thank you for coming to talk with us today
1: thank you very much john it's been a pleasure and stay safe
0: you as well